Dear Christian friends, fellow redeemed, including our friends at the Luther Hostel, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In these weeks in the church year, our epistle lessons are selected from the so-called letter to the Hebrews. I say so-called, not out of affectation, although affectation is not alien to me, but, but because there always has clung to this sophisticated, elegant, polished, fascinating piece of Christian literature, some mystery. Mystery about its author. Mystery about its intended audience. Mystery about the circumstances. There aren't many details. There is, however, no mystery as to what this letter, what this work is about. It is a word of exhortation. A word meant to encourage. A word meant to lift up, to embolden, to strengthen. And there is no mystery as to what we are exhorted to do, what we are encouraged to look for, how we are to be lifted up. That is clear from beginning to end. Like it says at the beginning, in many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old through the prophets, but now... In these last days, he has spoken to us through a son, whom he appointed heir over all things, through whom he created the universe. Therefore, therefore, let us pay the closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. After all, if the old covenant message, which was declared through angels, if that message was indeed valid, and if every transgression and disobedience received just retribution, then how possibly can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation as has been given to us? After all, it was declared by the Lord himself it was attested by those who heard him. It has been acknowledged by God through many signs, wonders, and miracles, and by the gift of the Holy Spirit distributed according to God's will. Pay attention. That was the exhortation to the original readers and hearers of this message. No, we don't know who wrote it. No, we don't know who it was written to. It is clear that these were people who had suffered, that they had been afflicted, that they had endured trouble, oppression, persecution. They were beaten down. They were weary. They were struggling. And to them, the word is, remember. Remember the living God and fear him. Remember. Remember that Jesus is God's son and the mediator of a new covenant and the author of faith. Remember and trust in and hold on to the message of salvation that has been given to you.
Now we don't know who wrote it. We don't know who it was originally written to. But this is a message for Christians of all times and all places. And it's a message for you. Now, of course, in a place like this, oppression, persecution, those are things that aren't going to come around. Now, perhaps it will in your life, where you go from here. Perhaps even it has been a part of your life before. But for a lot of us, it has not been. On the other hand, what is true and what will remain true is that Jesus is indeed God's son. The one who is heir of all things, the one through whom all things have been made. And therefore, to him and to the message concerning him, we should pay attention. And of course, there are things in all of our lives which would lead us not to pay attention, which might lead us astray, which might cause us to drift away. Now, you might say the obvious, the usual suspects in this are things, well, let's say here, academics, turning the word of God into a subject, turning God himself into a topic, turning Jesus into something Someone, we should know this and that. That's one way. That's a usual subject. Or perhaps it's things in your life. Family, finances, a struggle over vocation, addiction. Those are, of course, the usual suspects in this sort of thing. And they are because... They're so common. They are because they sneak in and press in. But this morning, let me turn your attention somewhere else, somewhere that might be a little less obvious. Something that strikes us, perhaps, from behind. And I'm talking about how we talk about Jesus. In this place, it's hard to avoid Jesus. It's all about, as our president would say, Jesus. Jesus is, according to Leo Sanchez, one of my favorite words. Jesus is, by the way, my favorite theologian. It's hard to escape Jesus. So the question isn't whether Jesus is in our lives. It's not a question of whether Jesus is in our hearts or in our minds or on our lips, for he is. But there is a question about how he is in our hearts, how we consider him, how we speak about him. And to get at that, let me draw your attention to the cross. A few weeks ago, Dr. Maxwell preached on Holy Cross Day, and he reminded us that for a long time, for hundreds of years, Christians had trouble with the cross. Christians had trouble because it was such a shameful thing. Christians had trouble to say nothing about those who were outside the church. That shame, that trouble has largely been lost. The cross hasn't been lost 
but maybe we should think about how we usually consider it. The cross, what does it mean? Well, for sure, we have the cross because it is where Jesus died. But you also ought to remember and take to heart that it's a cross. It was an instrument of execution. And as an instrument of execution, just like a gallows would be, or an electric chair, it is also a sign of how that person lived. It tells you something about the person who died there. Jesus did indeed die on the cross to atone for the sins of the world, and that includes yours and mine. But Jesus died on a cross. He died there because he was rejected. He died there because people wanted to kill him. He died there because of the life he led, the things he said, the things he did. Now, it is true that Jesus died for the redemption and atonement of the world. But sometimes we make that into the solution for all our problems, and we make all our problems the result of sin. Sin is what we do wrong. Sin is where we fail to do right. Sin is that which is in us, which so thoroughly corrupts us that we cannot believe in God or trust in his son or follow his word and do his will. Sin is that which condemns us to shame and guilt and death. Sin is that which the devil promotes and works throughout the world and makes lives miserable. And Jesus, in atoning for our sins, can easily be seen as the solution for all our problems because he is the solution for sin. Now there is, indeed, truth in that, but also becomes fairly easy to see Jesus and his cross largely in terms of solving, taking care of our problems. Why did Jesus die? Jesus died because he was rejected. Jesus died because the things he said, the things he did, were not believed, were a threat, were a problem. And what were the things that Jesus came and did? He came and announced God's reign. He came and forgave sins. He came and healed the sick and the infirm. He came and he cast out demons. He came and he raised the dead. He came and he saved. Jesus is the Savior. That was the problem in his life. Jesus is the mediator between God and man, between the living God who made all things and judges all people, and you. Jesus is the high priest who went through death and is in the heavens 
and pleads for you. So pay the closer attention to Jesus. Not only is the one who makes salvation possible, but the one who actually saves. Pay the closer attention to the gospel as the story of Jesus, as the story of the one sent to save, as the story of one who will return and save you. Pay the closer attention and you will be saved because Jesus will not fail you. In the name of Jesus, the Savior, amen. We rise to pray.